So, so you do uh, applaud here, here, because I mean, if anybody had was deserving of um of, of that particular type of accolade, I would think that um your praise and worship team um, they did such a good job. But just for their sake, how about we? some appreciation, huh? It's not easy to get up there and minister in that, in that manner. And I know because I have done it and um, only by the grace and the strength of God um, are we sustained when we minister to the people, whether in word or in song. And so, just bear that in mind for the future. A little encouragement goes a long, long way. I bring you um, greetings from um, from your pastor Jeff. I saw him um, yesterday up in um, Carly. One, here's my bag for you, please. And um, and he was thanking me for filling in for him. But at the same time, he had a bit of a guilty look on his face that um, I would have to leave Carly when um, make that to come here while he was staying. And um. He kind of reminded me of the guy who um, called out sick from his job and then sees his boss on the golf course a little few hours later. But um, it is a privilege to be here. Um, the priority one men's retreat is it's a blessing. I encourage those of you men here who have not really had that experience, do such a favor in the day. Um, there is nothing like the sound of several hundred men coming together to worship God. Men from all walks, all faiths, I mean, well, not all faiths, but um, from all walks of life, different races, and different political affiliations, coming together, putting all worldly concerns aside, long enough to give God praise together. There's nothing like it. It's a sound. Unlike anything you hear, any place on earth. So, those of you who haven't gone yet, please, you set a favor and then you will be blessed beyond measure. There is a word from on high. It comes from um, the book of Second Corinthians. But before I read it, um, just join me in a brief moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the service as it has progressed to this point. We thank you, Father God, for an opportunity to come to you in spirit and in truth. And we ask, as we proceed with your service, that your Holy Spirit bless as only you can. May your people be edified by your word. May your, may your name be glorified by your word. May the enemy be horrified by your word. And Father God, please continue to bless, keep, and protect uh, our pastor Jeff and uh, Two dozen or so men that he took with him for a much needed and well deserved time of rest, reflection, and recreation. We submit ourselves to you humbly and thankfully in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Um, the Apostle Paul um, made an interesting entry um, in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, beginning. And verse 7 that goes, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, 
a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's from the New International Version. I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Now, in the King James Version, that translates, I will glory in my infirmities. But however you say it, that is one verse that I always had some trouble taking into my understanding. To boast about weakness, to, to glory in infirmity. This is something that well, we human beings are just not naturally inclined to do, especially the men. Um, ladies, would you like to hear something foolish about men? Of course you would. Um, we generally won't even go to see a doctor until it's almost at death's door. I think the reason is that we're afraid that if we go see a doctor, he's going to tell us that something is wrong with us. And we don't want to hear that. I know it's a foolish attitude, but more times than not, it's true. So, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. Now, over the past several years, I've been reading that particular verse over and over, and I've studied it, and I've meditated on it, and I've prayed about it. But it's only in the past couple of years that I've been able to come to terms with it. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll come to it. In verse 8 of the passage, the apostle complains about what he refers to as a thorn in his flesh. Now, I don't know exactly what he meant by that, but it sounds painful. So I did a little research to determine the nature of Paul's thorn. And although I was never able to come up with an answer, there are several um, historians and, theolo- and theolo- theologians who offered a few suggestions as to what Paul's thorn was. One source stated that Paul may have been dealing with a chronic eye problem, like cataracts. Glaucoma. Another suggested that he was suffering from maladies such as malaria, migraine, epilepsy. Someone suggested that maybe he was dealing with a speech disability. And I came across a couple of opinions that suggest that Paul's thorn was not a physical, but an emotional or spiritual issue. Like, being a concerned bachelor, as um, we all know that Paul was, maybe he was wrestling with a certain inclination, which I won't elaborate on, a certain temptation. And still another source thought maybe Paul's thorn was in fact another person. In Second Timothy, um, chapter 4, verse 14, Paul speaks about a man named Alexander in the Apostle's own words, caused me a great deal of harm. 
that can be varied. But one thing all the sources tend to agree on is that Paul wasn't talking about an actual thorn, but he was speaking metaphorically. Nevertheless, I have several reasons for believing that Paul's problem was physical and not emotional or spiritual. Reason number one, the way he described this problem, a thorn in my flesh, that is a very physical reference. Paul doesn't say a thorn in my spirit or a thorn in my mind. And he doesn't use words like vex or anguish as mental or spiritual stress is often described in the Bible. Secondly, this passage comes from the letter Paul wrote to the church at Corinth during his second of three missionary journeys. On this particular journey, Paul brought along Luke, who in addition to being one of the apostles, was also a medical doctor. I believe Paul needed a physician on hand to keep this chronic condition of his, whatever it was. Lastly, I am persuaded that Paul's thorn was physical because of the way he asked God for relief. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. I felt an urgency, a desperation in those words that come from intense, so long physical suffering. Now, I may be wrong in that, but this is just how that particular passage struck me. But I have to confess that my interpretation of Paul's predicament just might be a little slanted. I may be relating to the apostle a little too personally, seeing too much of my circumstance in his. And I say that because for a while, now, my friends, for what seems a longer time than it has been, I have been wrestling with the condition of weakness and infirmity, a thorn in my flesh, as it were. I don't know when the apostle came upon his thorn, but I know exactly when I came upon mine. Friday, October 13, 2017, going on four years ago, when I suffered a debilitating back injury on my then job. The doctors called it sciatica, and it felt like a combination of fire and electricity coursing through my body. I never felt anything like it. I didn't know the human body could hurt that badly. I like to think of myself as a good man, a good Christian man. I'm not the man I could be or should be, as they say, but I thank God that I'm not the man I was. I like to think that in my walk with the Lord, I'm getting better and not worse. Day by day, one step at a time, pressing on to where God wants me to be. I try my best to trust in Him and lean not to my own understanding. Most of all, I try to bear in mind that his will be done, as, as Jesus said in his prayer, that faithful night in, in the garden, not my will, Father God, but your will. But sometimes God's will seems a little harsh to me. I send up my prayer to him for healing. And when nothing happens, 
I wonder if maybe it was my fault. Paul called his messenger, his thorn, a messenger from Satan, said to torment him. I called my thorn that and much more. I called it a hateful demon out to rob my days of production and my nights of peace and rest. I called my thorn an evil spirit trying to make my life bitter and burdensome. A yoke making even simple chores difficult to start and sometimes almost impossible to finish. I saw healing. As Paul consulted his physician, I consulted mine. With the numerous medical professionals who had at me with their tests and their tools and their techniques and their treatments and their toys. They examined me backwards, forwards, and sideways. They poked, prodded, probed, pierced, and punctured me. But for all the medical ministries, they couldn't heal me. Almost four years to the day since my ordeal began and my messenger from Satan torments me still. Like I said three times, the apostle went to the Lord in prayer for the healing that he could not get from man. Three times I went to the surgeon's table for the healing that I couldn't seem to get from prayer. But I kept praying. I prayed fervently. I prayed without ceasing, asking, pleading with God to take my thorn away from me. God's answer to Paul after his third appeal was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. I wasn't thrilled with that answer he gave Paul. All it seemed to say, as far as I can tell, was, No, Paul, I will not take away your thorn. I will not put an end to your suffering, as I say. I tried to think of myself as a good Christian man. I tried to accept God's will in my life, but like I said, sometimes His will seems harsh to me. I I think to myself that I can that I can be more of a more effective servant to God in wellness than in infirmity. So why would He allow me to continue in this condition? How am I more useful to the Lord only in the world? I love you, Lord, I say, in my prayers, if thy will be done. I just don't see the point of your will in this instance. I don't see why you need my weakness to make you perfect in your power. This is a hard one for me, Lord. A hard one for me to accept. And sometimes I feel like I'm being punished. Since I got hurt, I've heard a lot of preachers preach on television. This was um, when I was hurting so badly that I wasn't even able to leave the house. So I would listen to these various preachers in these ministries on television, and I would listen to them talk about how it's your fault if you don't get the healing you want, that you want. Your arthritis hasn't healed because you didn't pray hard enough. Your diabetes didn't go away because you don't believe strongly enough. Your cancer came back because your faith was weak. And I remember thinking, you don't know me. 
pastor. You have no idea how I pray. You have no idea the level of my faith. How dare you tell me that my condition persists because my faith is weak. You don't know me. You have a voice coming over the television screen. You know nothing about me. Pastor. And then I think, well, maybe it is my fault. Maybe Paul's thorn is his fault. He and I are alike in a lot of ways, Paul and me. Uh, we were both enemies of Christianity at one time. We were the least likely candidates to become ministers of the gospel. We were both miraculously transformed by the same God we denied, and we were both amazed at His mercy. We both got these thorns in our flesh while we were in service to God. We both went to God and to man for healing, and we both came against Him. Man couldn't, and evidently God wouldn't. God turns down the apostles' plea to have his thorn taken away from him. Then Paul says that he will boast all the more gladly about his weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on him. So was Paul saying that he had made peace with his condition? Was he saying that he was willing to accept his thorn in his flesh as a fair trade for the blessings in Christ to come. And I remember what Job said to his wife when all havoc broke, broke out in his life. Are uh, we to accept only good from God and, and not bad? And so I decided to accept my bad. To be at peace with this condition of mine, even if I was never to know why it had to be this way. Because God has been good to me. He shown me more mercy than I deserve and more grace than I could ever earn. If He means for me to walk with this messenger of Satan hanging on to me, then so be it. It's a small price to pay, I decided. And with that in mind, I decided against going through another operation. It was sort of a last resort type of procedure anyway, offering more risk than reward. I decided God's grace is sufficient. I will let the power of Christ rest on me during this time of unrest in me. And shortly after I made that decision, I received a phone call from a friend of mine named Spencer. Now, Spencer is a man who has been dealing with medical issues most of his life. Spencer is one of those rare men who actually had an encounter with breast cancer among his many other conditions. Spencer suffered from a failing kidney that he had replaced when he was in his early 30s. That kidney lasted Spencer 30, uh, 20 years. As far as I know, they're not supposed to last that long. With one physical issue, with one medical issue after another, Spencer went through it. He went through the gamut of medical conditions as far as I know. And in the, in the last couple of years, this, this first kidney of his began to fail. The 
means his eyesight to begin to fail, which means he had to go back on dialysis, which means he had to go back on the transplant list once again. But, Spencer has always been positive, confident, and cheerful. He's always willing to reach out to the next person who's going through their condition, especially when he made a habit of contacting me every Tuesday. Even though he's been dealing with his messenger from Satan, his thorn in his flesh, he's had trained to play courage, confidence, and he's glorified the Lord every step of the way. And I just want to share a brief update with you about Spencer. Last week, the day before his birthday, I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, Spencer was contacted by the hospital that they had found him a second kidney. The next day, the day of his birthday, he went into the hospital and received that kidney. I spoke with Spencer yesterday, and all seems to be going well. He should be coming home tomorrow. This is God's good. So, um, this going back a couple of years now, when I decided to accept my message from Satan, I, I told Spencer uh, that I was going to stop letting the doctors experiment on me. I told him that I was ready to come to terms with my condition, with my thorn and my flesh. I told him that I wasn't going to waste any more time pleading for relief, that I would stop focusing on my on the blessing and stop dwelling on the curse. I told Spencer that I was ready to make peace with my infirmity, to accept it as the price of my salvation and service to God. But to my surprise, Spencer wasn't exactly on board with that idea. In fact, he laughed at it. He said, no, man. God doesn't want you to accept infirmity or make peace with affliction. And as for your salvation, you've already paid the price for that, remember? He said, I can understand if you're tired of doctors working on you um, if they're not making any progress. Doctors can only do so much. But don't ever abandon your hope of healing. He said, I never stop praying for mine. And I never stop looking forward to the day when I won't even be able to remember what the inside of a hospital looked like. He said, God didn't put you in your circumstance, Nick. Actually, he called me Big Chap. I'm a chaplain, and his nickname for me is Big Chap. He said, God didn't put you in your circumstance, Big Chap. Life did. We're living on planet Earth, and stuff happens. But as long as you're in your situation, he wants to know what you're going to do with it. He wants to know how you're going to deal with it. It wasn't his will for you to go through this, but it is his will for you to get through this. He wants you to do this. We get frustrated and mad when God doesn't come running to answer our prayers. We start moaning and wailing, Lord, you can see what I'm going through. What are you going to do? But I'll tell you what God is going to do. He's going to be God like He always is. The real question is, 
what do you want to do? And Spencer and I talked a little while longer. And by the time he said I was advised, I was feeling a whole lot better than I had felt in a long time. My physical condition had not changed, and my attitude was better. My outlook was better. My spirit was uplifted. I was still injured, but I no longer felt broken. That's the genius of God. He knows exactly who to send into your circumstance, and He knows exactly when to send them. You or I might call it amazingness, and we might call it miraculous of Him. But you know what the heavenly host called Wednesday. And I thought about these bodies of ours, these fragile human vessels inhabited by Spencer, by me, and by you. I thought about the many illnesses and injuries and afflictions we are subject to suffer, endure, and overcome, or maybe not overcome, as we move about in the world. I thought about the countless ways Satan will attack us. The many physical afflictions and dysfunctions he will visit upon us in an effort to get at our faith, because that's what he's after when it comes down to it. Everything the enemy does to us is to get to our faith. It's not your health and doctor. It's not your finances, your homes, your marriages, or your kids that he wants. He will attack you in all of these areas, but it's your faith. He attacked Job in all those areas to get at his faith. That's what Satan wanted from Job, and that's what he wants from us, my friend. Our faith. And God wants our faith. He cherishes our faith. In his own time, he will surely reward our faith. But he's not willing to buy or bargain for our faith. Our relationship with God is not based on us giving him what he wants if he would give us what we want. Answer my prayer, Lord, and I'll believe you. Grant me the, the desires of my heart and I'll trust you. Give me healing and I'll give you faith. And that made me think once again about God telling Paul that his power was made perfect in the apostles' weakness. The Bible commands us to get its understanding. Proverbs 4, 7 says, In all you're getting, get understanding, even if it costs you everything. Sometimes getting understanding, though, isn't really that expensive. Sometimes all you need to do to stop listening to your pain long enough to hear what God is saying to you. Sometimes you just need to look beyond your circumstance to see what God, where God is leading you. And when I finally came around to that, I understood what the Lord was telling Paul about grace. You see, my friends, there are battles that we need to fight during that time when we are wounded and hurting. There are victories to be won in Jesus' name in the midst of our worst circumstances. There is a glory that comes from defeating Satan just when he thinks he's defeated you. 
glory that only comes by grace. God's grace is sufficient. It's the power to not only pull us out of our troubles, but to make us awesome while we're in our troubles. It's the power to take what was meant for evil against us and turn it to our good. And its power is made perfect in my weakness as long as I'm willing to suffer weakness for His sake as Jesus is willing to suffer weakness for my sake. When that messenger of Satan comes to visit illness and injury upon you, my friends, when he comes to inflict debilitating disease upon you, to toss an incapacitating accident at you, when he comes to give you physical dysfunction and medical disorder, by the grace of God, you can stand strong in your faith and say, is that all you got? Is that the best you can do? Because the real tragedy isn't that we get sick or that we get hurt. The real tragedy isn't being in pain, not even for a long time. The real tragedy is, is believing that God is not with you in your circumstance, giving you the grace to be mighty in your affirmity and powerful even in your weakness. And whatever your thorn may be, whether it's diabetes, lupus, sickle cell anemia, arthritis, migraine, headaches, glaucoma, cataracts, hearing loss, HIV, hep C, heart disease, stroke, stage 4 cancer, or a thousand other thorns and sins to put you down, grace will lift you up. After God told Paul that his grace was sufficient, the apostle became the most prolific writer of the New Testament. And he never mentioned his thorn again. I don't know if that means that he eventually got the healing he prayed for. I like to believe it does. And I bear in mind, as I continue to pray for my own healing, thanking God in, thanking God in advance of, for the wholeness I know he can and will restore to me in this time. But in the meantime, friends, until the healing comes, while I wait on my healing, I'm going to bless the Lord with everything that is in me. I'm going to praise Him abundantly and profusely. His praises will always be in my mouth. I will bless His name because He has blessed me, made me powerful in spite of my circumstances. I may be chipped and scarred, but I'm not broken. My vessel may be a little leaky, but my cup still runneth over. His grace is sufficient. Sufficient to carry me through this time of discomfort and uncertainty. Sufficient to make me better on my worst day than the enemy is on his best day. He wanted to hijack my faith from God, but I belong to him now more than I ever did. He tried to knock me off, but all he did was kick me off. If he thinks I've preached against him before, just wait till he hears what I have to say about him now. I'll become a thorn in his flesh. So for those of you who are dealing with 
with conditions of weakness and infirmity. Those of you struggling with medical issues, chronic conditions, maybe for a long time. I tell you now that God has not forgotten you. Don't abandon your hope for healing. Don't stop praying for holiness. The Lord is not ignoring you. He hears your prayers. And now and forever, He's in the healing business. He will move on your behalf in His own time. But while you're waiting, until the healing comes, you have the opportunity to fight the good fight on a different front. Until your healing comes, you can be mighty in the Lord, stay in the race, and keep the faith. One last thing. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 18, the same apostle who suffered that thorn in his flesh said these words, For I reckon our present sufferings cannot even compare to the glory that will be revealed in us. I urge you, my friends, that until your healing comes, don't focus on the suffering. Let us focus on the glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for all our, even in spite of our conditions, whatever they may be. We thank you that you are God, large and in charge, always. And Father, for this particular house, I ask you to bless. Somebody here may be dealing with a chronic condition. Somebody here may be dealing with a condition of pain or infirmity that sometimes discourages them. Sometimes make them feel hopeless, abandoned, and lost. Let them know, Father God, that you are with them. And you can make them mightier in their circumstances than many are in fullness and holiness. And let them know, Father God, that you are with them no matter what. We thank you in advance, Father God, for the healing to come. And we thank you in spite of any condition that we may be in right now. Lift up the name of Jesus, the name above all, the mighty number one healer in the
。